You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to First Bite, our midweek Detroit Lions podcast here for prideofdetroit.com. It is two weeks until the NFL draft. I can't believe it's already here. Uh, It seems like we've only been arguing over the same prospects for eight straight months instead of the normal three. Uh, But anyways, my name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the editor-in-chief over at Pride of Detroit. With me, as always, for First Bite is uh, senior editor of Pride of Detroit, Ryan Matthews, at Ryan underscore POD on Twitter. Ryan, how we doing, buddy? I am doing well. I'm staying grounded, even though the winds are high in Michigan. Yes. Uh, our, our flag is flying high today because we have an incredible guest. Yes. And crossing our fingers that the power does not go out during the middle of this recording. Uh, yeah, right. let's, get, let's get straight into our guest. You may know him as a staff writer for The Ringer, writing about the NFL, the draft, fantasy football. He's the, a co-host of the, the Ringer's fantasy football show. Danny Kelly is here at Danny B. Kelly on Twitter. Danny, thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Uh, for those that don't know, I also used to run field goals, SB Nation block. That's right. He's, he's part day. of the SB Nation alum, which uh, we always appreciate around here and always, you know, a, a nice, uh, I don't know, kind of like a guy to aspire to be a little bit, you know, that, that we can springboard this into, into something bigger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, let, let's mean, get I, into like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good let's, opportunity. Yeah, exactly. Let's uh, let's get right into the draft talk. And I want to start off with a bit of a philosophical question because Lions fans have been hearing for the past couple of months that this is a bad year to have a top five pick. Mm. You know, there aren't elite towns. There's no elite quarterback. They're, they're, each edge rusher, edge rusher comes with a question or two. So my question to you is, given the position the Lions are in, the, you know, the rebuilding. Is it smarter to go with a, a, a player that you're maybe more confident about working out, even if it comes at the expense of positional value? Mm. Or is it, since everyone has questions, just throw your dart at the guy that has the highest positional value so that you have the bigger <laughs> up, upside there? Oh, that's so tough. It's impossible to a- answer, of course, because uh, we don't know exactly who these guys are going to turn into. But I would say, generally, just take the best player. Like... especially in this class, like, I don't think you really need to worry too much about like positional value. You know, this is a, this is a team that just needs good players and needs blue chip players. Um, So don't worry too much about exactly where they got them in the draft. I do think that there are like, you know, long-term cap implications. If you know, you're paying a, for instance, safety, like top of market money. Um, I guess that has like long-term value, but I think at the end of the day, like they just need good play. They need good players. The Lions need, to uh, rebuild something. They need people who are going to come in and continue to change the the culture. I think that's actually a big part of um, why I think people are excited about the lions is because Dan Campbell seems to have done ex- exactly that change the culture, turned it into a confident group that plays really hard for him and all that stuff. Like, I think that's, 
you know, it is a cliche, but it is important in the NFL. Like these are human beings playing the game. Um, so, you know, if, if, if you think a guy who is, for instance, just, you know, Kyle Hamilton, if you, if you think he's going to be that guy, I, I personally wouldn't sweat it too much in terms of like the, the, the positional value, you know, the, the freaking cap is going to keep going up. Uh, the NFL is not getting any less uh, popular and, you know, I think safeties honestly are becoming, and I, we, uh, Ben Solak from the ringer actually said this in an article recently, like the, the safety position, like the, the salaries are increasing at a rate that we haven't seen in a long time. And relative to other positions, like the NFL, I believe is coming around to the idea that safeties are super important. And I think this is something that like nerd football nerds have been saying for years, but for whatever reason, the NFL hasn't been on board with that, but like safety play, you can really uh, do a lot like with a good safety, take away the middle of the field. Like how is that not important? Right. So, um, yeah, I think, you know, that's generally where I am coming from here. But I think like at the end of the day, there's going to be a lot of good players and there will be a good pass rusher at that spot if you want to go that way. And there's going to be really good tackles at that spot if you want to go that way. So they have a lot of options. And there, it, to me, it, it doesn't seem like there's like a bad – it's not a bad class to have a good pick, in, like a high pick in because there's going to be good players there. So, so I want to ask you, Danny, because your latest mock draft that you that you just updated over on, on the ringer, uh, you have Aiden Hutchinson going number one. He was going number one in, in your past mock drafts as well. You have Thibodeau going to the Lions at number two. Mm-hmm. Do we think that we've all just come to this consensus on Aiden Hutchinson being that number one pick? Because like you said, he's kind of the safest guy. Like he's the safest edge rusher yeah. of the of the three. Yeah, I think you know what you're getting with him. He's productive, super athletic. You know, from everything we've heard, like really hard worker, loves ball. Like he kind of checks all those boxes. I don't have a lot of fear that I'm like, for instance, he's the number one guy on my big board now. I ended up switching him in Thibodeau because I'm like, in five years, I don't have that much fear that he's going to be a bad player. Like he'll still be a good quality, productive player. I don't know if he's going to be the superstar in the league because like we, like you guys had alluded to, like it's maybe just not that type of class where you're going to have like a JJ Watt or whoever, uh, Aaron Donald type player, but. I think he's going to come in and he'll play well and he'll be productive and you don't have to worry about him too much. Kind of like that's the deal. And when you're picking in the top 10, like you don't want to miss, like that would be the worst thing you could do (laughs) right? because not only are you paying this person a lot of money, the opportunity cost is massive. um, And it sets you back and potentially like you could have more turnover in the front office because of all that. So there's just a lot of things hinging on kind of getting that pick. Right. Um, so take a safe guy. Like, I know that's sort of like the coward's way of doing it, but like, it, it makes a lot of sense, honestly, for, uh, for both the team and the front office. So, um, yeah, to me, he's, he's just the safest pick. I, I still think Thibodeau has the highest upside, but, um, there's definitely some disagreement I'd say about that. And, and from, you know, d- the different analysts and like a lot of reasonable, smart people have different opinions on that. It's just kind of, that's the, that's how scouting works. It's tough. You know, you never really know how these yeah. guys are going to develop. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because Dan Campbell recently had a comment that I thought was very telling where he said, you know, positional value, we're not really concerned with, with the, the perceived value of these guys. We just want a guy that we're sure five years down the line, he's going to be a foundational player for our team. Yeah. And so that, I think yeah. that speaks to maybe going for the safer pick. Now l- let's move to beyond Ian Hutchinson and talk about the, the next debate, which, which is really heated up in the last month or two, which is Trevon Walker or, uh, or, or, Kayvon Thibodeau and you, you took yeah. Thibodeau in your mock. Um, why'd you go that way? And and do you think it's, it's a better fit for the lines? Is, is it a bigger, which one is the bigger risk? Because I, I feel like both have pretty serious question marks. I know. Like, I, I don't know how to answer that. They're both <laughs> risky. Yeah. Um, Tough question. Yeah. By the way, there's also this chance apparently that Walker could be the first pick. 
Um, yeah. You know, so like maybe you don't even have to have this argument for the it, last. It like, would six be months. nice <laughs> <laughs> because I think everyone agrees that Aiden Hutchinson and Dan Campbell is just like a marriage. Two peas in a pod right to happen. There. Yeah. 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 And, there, and, and there's a lot of momentum behind Aiden Hutchinson, obviously, just because of the Michigan player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So say that doesn't happen. I'll say like Hutchinson goes number one, which yeah. is, seems like the most likely thing. But I feel like there is some there's some question there that that's going to happen. But I think like with Thibodeau. Like if you look at things like pressure rate, um, he did have, I believe, one more sack, which is not a lot because sacks are pretty high variance stat in general. But like his pressure rate was better. I think he's been um, asked to do like pure pass rushing stuff more. Like with with Walker, uh, it's projection because he's a extremely good athlete. He is built like you know you would design a pass rusher in a lab. Like he has all the traits that you look for. Um, but there's also plays on, on tape where you're like, okay, this guy doesn't really know what he's doing yet. And he doesn't maybe have like the same kind of like bend and, and um, agility. Cause that's the other thing is like, I think Thibodeau has pretty good bend. Like I see him dip and dip and rip into the pocket. Like, yeah. you know, the, the ways that he can beat a tackle to the edge. Um, I'm like, this guy's really good. But of course there is some question of, of whether he has enough bend or he's elite bend or who knows, like, if, you know, how, how it works out in the NFL. Um, does he have ankle flexion? Like to me, that stuff is very hard to like figure out. Like right. that's a very subjective thing. And I thought he had it. Um, but maybe the NFL doesn't believe that. So, um, at the end of the day, I think they're both pretty risky, honestly. Uh, you know, Thibodeau, I think the thing is a lot of teams are sort of wondering, this is what we're hearing. These are the reports. I'm tired of like saying it, but like, this is, there's enough smoke here that teams don't really like his personality or the fact that he has all these off field interests teams want guys who are like hardcore football meatheads. All they want to do is play football and talk about football. They go home and play football on, on video games, blah, blah, blah. Um, whereas Thibodeau has all these other interests. He's into business. He's into crypto. He's, he got to deal with Nike. Um, you know, he's thinking about life after football. You can argue whether that matters. I think you could argue that it doesn't matter. It's actually a good thing because he's super mature, right. but um some teams would be like look we just want a guy who doesn't care about anything but football just be a robot um so yeah i think you know with both guys very high upside but i think they're with both there's some risk because you know especially with uh with walker in particular so we haven't really seen him play that role of like just a pure pass rusher. he's been asked to do a lot of stuff in in college with the georgia defense where you know he's heads up on a tackle he's basically trying to open up areas for the blitz or like gaps for the blitz and and do other things. He's not like just on the edge, pinning his ears back, trying to get to the quarterback. So his numbers weren't as good, frankly, like they just weren't as good. Um, So that's, I think the concern, but you know, again, the draft is not picking guys that were bad, that were good. Like last year, it's trying to find the guys that are going to be good in the NFL. So that's of course an art form. For sure. Um, and, and most recently, you know, I, I think it generates lots of buzz just because of TSPN and it's Mel Kuyper. But in his latest mock draft, he had Sauce Gardner going number two to Detroit. So if you come really? if you okay. yeah, if, if, if you come off the idea of an edge rusher now, Sauce is somebody who did have a top 30 visit with the Lions. Mm-hmm. So whether that's them doing their due diligence on whether or not they're going to move back and maybe he'll be yeah. available, yeah. this, that or the other thing. But it's a tough pill to swallow right now. I think Danny for lions fans after taking Okuda at three and, and what happened with that, by the way, can you guys give me like a five or 10 second, like synopsis of what's happening there? 
injuries. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I really think so. Like even going back to his rookie season, like the core stuff that, you know, the core surgery that he had and then mm-hmm. coming back and Matt Patricia's a douchebag, but um, <laughs> then, uh, you yeah. know, he, yeah. he, he really got thrown in the ringer and, and mm-hmm. it, it was, it was tough sledding Great for website, him. By the way, the ringer. <laughs> nice point. Nice point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> way to work. But, and then, and then last year, obviously the Achilles in, in the first game. So, I mean, it, the coaching staff loves him and everything and, in training camp seemed like he was on, he was on the up and up, right? Jerry? Right. Yeah. The, okay. the coaching staff believes in him that the, his, his teammates were like, you guys missed out on what was going to be an amazing season from him. But unfortunately an Achilles injury is like career changing potentially. Yeah. So yeah, who knows where that's at. So you can't count on it, but there's some hope there. Yeah. Um, but I understand what you're saying though. The, the fans probably are not like wanting another corner at top three pick or whatever. What was he? Third pick. Oh, kudos yeah. three. Yeah. 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 It, but it, it kind of goes back to that conversation, right? Because sauce Gardner is a pretty clean prospect. Like a lot of people think totally. he's one totally. of the best in, 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 in a few years that, that we've seen. So do you go with a guy that again, you're pretty sure is going to be a really good player. Is that, is that sound strategy <laughs> yeah. to you? Uh, I mean, look, I wouldn't hate it. I, I would understand why the coach or sorry, why the fan base would probably be a little nervous about that or not want to go that direction. But like, we just got done talking about coaching staffs and, and um, you know, teams and front offices wanting guys that are obsessed with football. Like that's what you hear about sauce Gardner. Like uh, I heard uh, Daniel Jeremiah talking about how he doesn't drink. He doesn't smoke. All he does is talk about football. He care. He loves ball. Um, you hear that from the Cincinnati coaching staff. Like this guy's all about football. Again, that's like music to a coach's ears. Right. So, yeah. you know, that's the kind of guy you want to come in and set the culture and, have a potentially, you know, franchise changing guy. And, you know, cornerback is an important position, especially in the NFL right now, where you have all these really ridiculously good quarterbacks um, and ridiculously good receivers coming in the league every year, like having a corner who can shut down one side of the field, or at least you can trust him to play on that side of the field. And nine times out of 10, he's going to do really well at it. That can change the way that you use your defense and, and uh, you know, deploy your defenders and schemes and all that stuff. So like, I could certainly talk myself into that if I was a Lions fan, like I wouldn't be sad about it, but I, I do get kind of where you're coming from with the CUDA thing. And, um, you know, you don't want to like once bitten or whatever, twice bitten, you don't want to like fall into that trap again, but yeah, he, I, he's a really good player. Yeah. The, the, the last guy I want to talk about, and he's kind of slid into the conversation here late too. And they're, they're just, it, it's like five or 10% of fans, but they are loud and, I won't, I won't say annoying because some might be in our live chat right now, but Jermaine Johnson is, is a guy that again, at like two. Okay. Yeah. At two, like he's, some people think he might be the best at George Scherer in the class. It's not, it's not a popular opinion, but it's sure. there. Dave Burkett of the, of the Detroit free press slotted him to the lines at two. And I think one of his latest mocks. So mm-hmm. uh, again, I think maybe it goes back to that safety. Like it, it's more of a safe pick. There's, there's not a ton of right. red flags with him and, and another guy that loves ball. Is, is that that's is that too much of a stretch for you just because maybe he doesn't have any of those elite traits um yeah it would be a reach in my opinion but um maybe teams a guy reach, that they right? trade back on and 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 get him what was, what was that i said teams reach right like i mean like clellan happens Farrell. every year man it happens every <laughs> year there's always something weird at every every draft or multiple things that are weird mm-hmm. um yeah, the Farrell one was a perfect example of that like no one really expected him to go that high and he was a sort of a low ceiling high floor guy and that's what he turned out to be in the nfl he's not a big impact player in fact i don't really know if he gets that much playing time anymore um so yeah like i think like johnson is good he's a good player but i would way rather have willis i would way rather have walker um i don't know why they would do that maybe just 
they see more potential in him or maybe if it's their scheme better or, or what, but like he does, you know, he has some proven production, but again, he was the guy that transferred away from Georgia right. to go play at Florida state um, for a reason. Like some people were in front of him on that depth chart. Maybe he just didn't want to play the style of, of ball that, that Walker was playing too. Like that was probably a smart decision on his, on his part um, because maybe he just wasn't going to have the opportunity to like pin his ears back and go. And, and turns out that was a really good decision, but um I, I personally like those other two pass rushers better, but you know, again, anything could happen in the NFL. It's like you see weird stuff every year. Well, I, I want one more question, one quick follow-up because I want you to wax poetic about Malik Willis just for a little bit of time because, <laughs> because I'm, I'm kind of surprised. Like, do, do you feel like Seattle might pass on him at nine if he's not there? Cause you have him going number yeah. 20 to Pittsburgh um, and, and, and prior to you updating uh, your, your most recent mock draft, you had Malik Wills going number two to Detroit, which is yeah. something that I've been a huge proponent of because, uh, you know, like you said, if, if you're going to swing for the fences, you might as well swing for the fences on a guy who right. has the right. kind of upside that he has. Yeah, and in particular with, with Detroit, I feel like he would be a pretty good fit, honestly. Um, you know, they've, they've invested in some weaponry at the receiver position. They're, I, get, I think, getting better. They're going to continue to get better there. But, like, Malik Willis is a guy that you can utilize in your run game. You can change everything in your run game. Like I, I go back and I've compared him to Russell Wilson, early career, Russell Wilson, where limited somewhat as a passer, you know, you're not necessarily going to want him to be dropping back on third down and, and trying to make reads and make throws and things like that. Like that's not going to be the best position to put him in to succeed. And Russell's Russell Wilson struggled with that a little bit earlier in his career. I want to be clear though. Russell Wilson was a much better prospect than Malik Willis in terms of passing. So the big question for me is like how how much runway are you do you want to give a quarterback like Malik Willis who has you know he's coming from an, an offense at a lower level by the way um where he wasn't really asked to do multiple progression reads he was basically like reading one one guy and then taking off or trying to make something happen out of structure um so there's a lot of like I don't know. I, I go back on it every, like once a week, I'm like changing my mind on, on what I want, what I want to see actually on number nine with, with regards to Willis, because I think he would be my first choice for the quarterback spot. But um, it is, I think going to be a long process His numbers. If, if you really just look at it, like dispassionately, like he's not a good prospect as a passer at all. Um, and so you just have to be like, there's a lot of projection there. This is a Josh Allen situation. Um, can that happen? Sure. And, and if you're going to bet on a guy, like you said, if you're going to bet on a guy, go big, go like, go big or go home. Like this guy has elite, elite traits. So that's what you want to bet on. Yeah. Um, and I think in the short term, he can be Jalen Hurts-esque as a guy that you design your offense, the run game around. And he's doing read option. He's doing bootlegs. He's doing nakeds. He's doing all kinds of stuff. Um, and he's really good at passing like deep down the sideline. And that's like, you know, design up schemes where he's doing that. And just hopefully you won't have to put him in too many situations where he's dropping back on third and seven, you know, right. um, because they're so ahead of the sticks on in the ground game and all that. And they have good, you guys have good running backs, good offensive line, like philosophically, you want to just like punch guys in the face. Like that makes sense to me. Like all this kind of puts, you put it all together, but I think Willis in particular has a grand Canyon, like, wide range of of potential outcomes in the nfl right. so that's just yeah. kind of like the nerve-wracking thing it's like oh god <laughs> like are we gonna are we gonna like stick with this guy for four years sure um, if he's not having any real improvement as a passer like then you're in the situation like the eagles where like most people i don't think think that jalen hurts is the answer there but right. um i thought it was pretty good last year but you know 
NFL teams feel differently. They're certainly gearing up where they can make a move after this year to do a different quarterback. So um, I don't know. It, it's tough. I'd be, I'd actually be really excited to see him land there though. Cause I think it would be a lot of, um, it would be a good fit for him. And, and um, it'd be fun to kind of see the offense that they design around him. Cause I, you know, he has that skill set that is really rare, um, but you just got to develop it. Yeah. You have to imagine that'd be a really, really hard decision for a, a second year general manager to make in, in the early part of yeah, a rebuild, yeah. but bring a lot of excitement. It, initially, I think there'd be a lot of blowback uh, based on what Lions yeah, fans what, how currently do the fans, think. How do, how do fans feel about this? Like, or is it pretty split? It's, it's, it's not that split. I would say it's like 90, 10 don't want it. Don't want it. Okay. But, cause yeah. well, cause they're doing the thing that every fan does, which is like, Oh, we'll just get one next year, which of course right. is much, much easier said than done. Sure. Um, and, and the next year, maybe this class will be viewed differently. Right. Know? Yes. That's, um, that's another thing. So yeah, it's at, at one point, Brad uh, Kaya was considered the number one prospect a, a year ahead of time. And I then, mean, look, Sam Howell and, uh, I'm blanking on the name, the Oklahoma uh, guy, the Oklahoma quarterback who actually Spencer Rattler, right? Rattler. No, yeah. like if, if back at this year or back at this time last year, people were really excited about Howell and Rattler and you know, we saw what happened there. So yeah. I don't know. It, it's one of those things. It's uh, this is what happens every year, honestly. Yeah. But I think that the NFL has told us with the way that they've um, treated the free agency period, they treated sort of like every team out there now has a bridge quarterback. Like you guys have golf, like you can survive another year with golf. Right. Um, the Seahawks went and got drew lock fun times. Um, <laughs> signed G- uh, Gino. Yeah. Gino. Smith. Yeah. That just but, happened. Right. Uh, but like, this is like, I think, you know, the NFL has kind of told us that they don't love this draft class at quarterback. Um, and so whether that's right or wrong, we'll end up finding out, but um yeah, it's, yeah. it's so tough to know what's going to It's happen. a tricky decision and one that the line certainly could kick down the road. But uh, we're going to take a break here. When we come back, we're going to dive into the, the later picks, 32 and beyond for the Detroit Lions. We're here with Danny Kelly from The Ringer. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. 
And we are back here on First Bite with Danny Kelly, staff writer for The Ringer, NFL draft expert. Uh, let's talk later in the draft. Uh, Lions got the 32nd pick overall. Um, I think in a weird way, Lions fans are almost more excited for these picks because it does seem like there's a dearth of talent there. And specifically yeah. at positions of need, safety, linebacker, um, you know, wide receiver, potentially depending on how big of a run there is there towards the end of that round. Um, so I, I guess I, I, let's start w- with your pick on, in your mock draft. You, you went Christian Watson, um, with lines at 32, which I think is a name that that's been rising up. Some, some think he might not even be there, but really right. raw kid. Tell me what you like about him. I mean, like you said, the athletic traits, he's raw, but the athletic traits are rare. This is the same sort of discussion we were having about, uh, about Willis. It's like, you can't find a guy, very many guys that have four, three speed or his size, um, his, his agility, the way, the way that they utilize him in the offense, um, you know, as like a, basically motioning him into the, the backfield as a running back, jet sweeps. Um, he's also pretty good deep down the field. Like obviously take the top off the, the defense speed downfield. Um, I've soured on like the idea that he'll go in the first round a little bit, I think over the last like few days, um, just kind of like trying to read the tea leaves of what everyone's talking about, what, um, you know, the rumors are and all that, but, um, He's another guy I just felt like would fit the personality of the lions, like what they're trying to build too. Like, he, you know, he's not afraid to block. He's not afraid to get, do the dirty work as a receiver. He's coming from North Dakota state where they're like extremely run heavy team. And he's asked to do a lot of sort of like the dirty work at receiver. And I think that that's something that would endear him to, uh, to Dan, <clears throat> to Dan Campbell. So um, yeah, I mean, it like fit wise, I think it makes a lot of sense. Plus they just went and signed DJ Chark to a one-year deal which would indicate they don't have like a long-term commitment to him. If he does play really well, maybe they'll sign him to a multi-year deal, but Christian Watson could come in and sort of play the DJ Chark role in year two um, and have some continuity there in their offense. And so those are the things I was thinking about, but I don't know, to be honest, I think he might fall a little bit further than this. We'll see. It's It's, it's tough to know because the other thing is like philosophically in the NFL now with all these huge, massive receiver contracts, there could be a run on receivers early. And yeah. so maybe he does make it in the first round. Yeah. Um, Fifth year option. Right. Yeah. So, uh, cause I think over, like over four years, like first round receiver is going to make like 13 or $14 million versus like 30 million a year. Uh, so, um, yeah, I think that's like a factor that you kind of have to, to consider here, but I think Watson like has a prize a prospect. He's really intriguing, but he also has a lot of, um, sort of concerns because he's lower level competition, some drops. He's not as maybe tough at the catch point as you want from a guy, his size, his frame is pretty skinny. Maybe he adds a little bit of weight and he's like a, turns into a chase Claypool style guy. Um, but overall, like you want to bet on that kind of athleticism, I think. Yeah. And, and, and like you mentioned, there, there might be that earlier run on wide receiver, but I think 32 is a really popular spot for receiver just for a lot of the reasons you just mentioned, you know, but but what you said about DJ shark being a one-year deal, like the lions are basically building a roster on one year, two year deals. Yeah. Um, and, and Brad Holmes is keeping this very, he's keeping it very open. He's keeping the opportunity for, for things to happen. And, and Jeremy keeps on saying this every podcast, but like a lot of these signings are contingency plans. And if mm-hmm. they work out great, Charles Harris will bring you back. Tracy Walker will bring you back. But you know, you know, for, for every Charles Harris, there's Tyrell Williams. And for every right. <laughs> Charles Harris, there's, you know, uh, Brashad Perryman. So th- there's a lot of these things that just don't end up working out, but uh, to switch gears and, and move to another position, uh, I, I want to talk about the safety class because safety mm-hmm. is obviously a position. We, we talked about Kyle Hamilton and him potentially being the number two pick, you know, again, the lions bring in Deshaun Elliott on a one-year deal and like a one-year prove it deal. Yeah. So 
that doesn't take safety off the board for Detroit at all whatsoever. Uh, and especially with, you know, how you mentioned safety becoming such an important position. Really, you just have like Kyle Hamilton and Dax Hill going in the first round. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, Lewis Seen is a popular name. Jaquan Brisker. Do you think that might be a little bit too rich at that point to to take a guy like like either of those at thirty two or thirty four? Or no, not really. Totally in play. Um, that was the other thing I think I've seen sort of the wins and the rumors right now is there could be a run on safeties too mm-hmm. um, in this class, like Jalen Petre from Baylor. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, Lewis Seen. I think Lewis Seen could be a first rounder. I don't, I don't think it would be a reach really to take him here. Um, I've got him at 65. I got to move him up. Like, I feel like that's way too low. <laughs> this is like one of those visited with the lions at, today, actually. Yeah. You look at, I, I, sometimes you just look at your, your ranks. I'm like, that's what, what am I thinking there? <laughs> um, but yeah, like the way that, again, like safeties in the modern game, especially in two highs where you can like change up the, the coverages. Um, it's really important to have guys that can kind of cross train, whether they're sorry, not, I don't know, cross trains, right. Where, but like, play multiple roles in an yeah. offense where you can basically rotate him to anywhere in the offense on any given play. It's really confusing for the quarterback. If you have a guy who's like only can play in the box, like quarterback knows exactly where he's going to be on every snap. Um, and that makes things more predictable for a defense. So like guys like Brisker seen, I think are all, uh, both of those guys are, are pretty uh, versatile, able to play all over the defense They're both really athletic Seen is like a freak athlete. So, yeah. um, he would make a ton of sense. I think early in the second, in fact, he might go in the first round. So um, he's make a note. He, I got to move him up. Like that's like the first note <laughs> I'm making on that based on this podcast. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's a really fun guy, like long. He's, he's not as like big as, as some safeties, I think in right. his, historically, but maybe that's fine because it just makes him, he's a little bit more rangy and he's like explosive clearly um, and can run with like tight ends down the seam. He can, line up in the slot sometimes so he can just do a little bit of everything for you before we we jump into linebacker i feel like i have to dip a little bit back into quarterback talk because at least nationally speaking this seems to 32 seems to be a pretty popular spot for the lines to land a quarterback or yeah it, in my opinion i think it seems, seems like a better opportunity to maybe trade out of that spot for someone yeah. that that's yeah. that's quarterback hungry wants that fifth year option all that sort of stuff maybe uh ritter is, is a popular guy although he seems to be rising up boards might not be there at 32 what I mean, my philosophy is if, if he's not good enough for two, I don't really see the play in, at 32. Um, but I'm curious yeah. as to what your philosophical, I guess, idea is, is if the um, lines went with quarterback here. I think, like, in general, that's the right thing. Like, that's the right way to look at it. Like, if, you, if you're not going to take him at two, like, why would you take him at 32 um, if you don't, do you not believe in him? Or, like, but right. I, at the same time, these guys, GMs, are paid to get the most value out of their picks. That the lot, what, what they do, in the months up to the draft leading up to the draft, they have basically like, um, you know, like CIA level FBI level, like, uh, you know, spy operations trying to figure out where, what teams are going to do, where they're going to go. They have people studying mock drafts. Like they're trying to get a grip on what other teams are doing so they can get the absolute most bang out of their buck at every pick. You saw the, the, this is the, I mean, I know this is an outlier and this is probably a unique situation, but even the Ravens yeah. picked a freaking tight end before they trade back up for Lamar Jackson. Like yeah. Aiden Hurst, he was the MVP. <laughs> <laughs> he was their. He, they traded up back up into the first round. They took a tight end first, yeah. um, and maybe that was just because they had a really strong uh, idea that no one else was going to take him before when they were going to trade back up or whatever. Like, and right. and I've heard you know coming up and and studying the Seahawks closely, like John Schneider's talked about it multiple times. Like, they put in a lot of work. 
um, trying to figure out where guys are going to go in the draft and exactly where they can take them. They, they talked about this incessantly after taking Russell Wilson, of course, Russell Wilson turned out okay and or turned out really great, but, um, and, but they obviously didn't take him till the third round. John right. Schneider was obsessed with Russell Wilson. Um, and they happened to get Bobby Wagner before they picked Russell Wilson <laughs> hall of famer. Yeah. So, um, on one level, I totally agree with you. Like, if you're not willing to take him out too, like you must not like him enough, but I think it's also like their job to get all the bang for their buck. If they can get both uh cave on Thibodeau and a quarterback, like that's better, honestly. Yeah. So right. I think that's the way they look at it. Of course, that's really risky yeah. and you, you might not have it go your way. Yeah. So is there a guy, cause, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I remember at one point you had Desmond Ritter at 32. Do you think that that's a guy that is moving a, l- a little bit into into yeah. earlier first round territory. Cause right now you just have two guys. You have Pickett, I think at six and then, um, and then you have Malik, Malik going 20. 20. Yeah. So. Yeah. It seems like over the last week or two, um, I, this again, this is the time of year where everything is smoke screens. And so it's like really hard to figure out what's happening, but you know, the reports you're seeing from big reporters that are really plugged in is that the NFL seems to like Ritter more then I think the consensus or the narrative is right now, like a lot of people see him as like a late first or, or second round type guy. And I think the NFL season is like mid first type guy. Um, so it does seem like he's, you know, quote unquote rising, but like, I think, you know, maybe he's just been there for, for teams all along. Plus it sounds like, and I heard Daniel Jeremiah say this, it sounds like he's just absolutely aced all the interviews in the pre-draft process, which is of course really important for coaches and teams. You're trusting the future of your job to this guy to be able to pick up the offense that you want him to do to um, be able to learn, be able to develop, be able to, uh, you know, communicate what you want to the team and, and be the leader of the team. It sounds like uh, Ritter has all the traits in terms of the intangibles that that teams are wanting, which is, I think actually underratedly important. Like people talk sure. about it being cliche, but like you need someone that's going to go in there and command the huddle, know how to like run the offense and make decisions and be the leader you can't really have a guy who's just sort of aloof and, and doesn't really know what he's doing. Cause um, I mean, it's just, then you like, end up with Carson Wentz. Yeah. Like a great example, really great example. Like he just doesn't have that, that, you know, intangible leadership. It sounds like the teammates just didn't really like him. Like that's <laughs> right. not the guy you want running your team. Right. Um, and so it sounds like Ritter has really aced all that stuff. He's, he's a smart guy. He's mature. He has a kid. Um, I always say that it's kind of a joke, but like, you know, my life changed when I had a kid and I'm more mature now that I have a kid and I care more about my career now that I have a kid. Um, so maybe that like, that's just something to keep in mind. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, you know, he's, I think that's sort of the, the smoke right now is that he's aced all those, those pre draft things and been really good, really impressive. So is Willis, by the way, um, from everything. Yeah. That oh I've yeah. Heard. So yeah. you could, you could see it down there at the senior bowl. Yeah. It was just I mean, commanding like, everybody on the field. It's important and you not to keep bringing up Russell Wilson, the Seahawks, but like, I remember when he got drafted, he was a third rounder. He came in and he ran their rookie camp. (laughs) This is like, you know, they bring in like a 90 guy roster of like mostly rookies and like undrafted guys and some free agents and all that. And he, after like, this is like two weeks after the draft or something, he came in and he knew the entire offense. He ran the camp. Like the coaches weren't running it. He was running it. (laughs) And I'm like, to me, that's just like the perfect microcosm of what teams want at quarterback. That's the reason he won the job as a rookie, even though they had signed Matt Flynn to this big contract because he could do that shit. Um, so sorry if I, I don't know if we're no, you're totally fine. 
Yes. Okay. Um, Green light. So yeah. I called that, I, that to me, the FCC is not coming down on us right now. Okay. Yeah. Um, to me, that's like, again, I, I keep going back to Russell Wilson, but that's like what I, you know, came up in covering the Seahawks and like, that's so important for the quarterback. It's something that, you know, people know, I think implicitly, but like, you know, it's something that coaches I think value more than the average fan because like they have to actually deal with these guys and teach them and get them to run their offense and run their meetings and essentially be a part of it's an extension of the coaching staff. The quarterback yeah. is an extension of the coaching staff. So um their management, you know, it's 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 just interesting. So I think that's important. Uh, last position, a couple of players I want to talk about. Uh, linebacker, uh, again, a popular pick for the Lions at 32, 34, maybe even 66. Uh, Nicobe Dean is, is probably the one that Lions fans are circling the most. Um, yeah. Interesting prospect because he's undersized and, yeah. and that scares yeah. off some people. Um, but the Lions are kind of in a new era of linebacker where they don't need them to be 260 pounds and and run like the lightning, those, you know, the one or two players that exist like that. Right. Um, so so what are your thoughts on Nicobe Dean? Do you think he he's fine? In, in today's NFL? I think it just depends. And, it, and it's interesting to hear your perspective on it. Cause to be honest, I don't know like the lions defensive scheme as well as you guys do. Um, if you guys think he would be a fit, I think that's, that makes a ton of sense for them there. If he's there at 34, like yeah. he might be there at 34, yeah. um, you know, it's sounding more and more like some teams will push him down their board because he's sub six foot sub two thirty. like that. Generally speaking is like not, the prototype they're looking for, and especially in a first round pick. Um, he's an extremely good player. Um, he flies to the football. He's a spark plug for the entire team. Like you can see it on the field, like the teammates, he's the alpha guy on the, yeah. on the defense. And that's a freaking defense too. Like this is a <laughs> right. historic, ridiculous, absurd, like made that's up a great point, like a, like a freaking video game defense. The, like the guys on this defense are insane. They have another top five guy next year coming out. Um, and they have like, you know, this is maybe the most athletic defense ever constructed in college football. Um, so the fact that he was like the leader and like the guy that everyone rallied around, I think says a lot. Um, but I think the NFL at the end of the day probably would like Quay Walker more um, mm -hmm. because he's long, he's versatile. He can play in multiple different schemes. You can wear like wear different hats in the defense. I think you're kind of more pigeonholed with it, what you can do uh, with Dean. Um, but that's not to say, I think he's a bad player. I think it just makes, it's like the Tyler Linderbaum question. Like, Mm -hmm. really good player, extremely good player, but he lacks length and he's going to be a scheme specific guy that, and that could make him fall a little bit. You only have so many people like chasing after a guy like that. So um, I think there's a solid chance Dean falls out of the first round. If not, he's going to be there at 32. Um, and so that would make a lot of sense too. And it's like, again, culture guy, like yeah. foundation building guy. I could see that happening for sure. Well, Danny, this is totally a safe space. And you know that as Detroit Lions fans, we went through something very similar that you're going through this offseason as Seahawks fan yourself. <laughs> uh, if, if Russell Wilson wins the Super Bowl this year, then we'll be on level playing ground. I still feel like you guys got a little bit of an edge here, but yes. Yeah, so so it's an interesting perspective because I think a, a, a lot of Lions fans were happy to see Matthew Stafford go off often have success, even if, even if it was the ultimate success that he was supposed to have right, here. Right. Um, um, but there are some that are very, very bitter and, and they say that they don't care about what he does in Los Angeles, but they really do care. <laughs> so, okay. uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of just interested in like, what were your kind of reactions to the Russell Wilson trade? And like, yeah, you know, how, how are you feeling about your team kind of just being in a, a similar territory? Like you said, the Lions are kind of at with Jared Goff and, you know, Seahawks have Drew Locke and it, it's a bridge to a new era. It is. It's, you know, from my analytical mind, because I, like I said, I've, 
came up in my career covering the Seahawks. Like basically they drafted Russell Wilson one year after I took over the, the field goals blog. And so I got to do the whole Russell Wilson era in like real time. It was like so awesome. Um, and it's like the, the analytical part of me kind of feels nostalgia for like the Seahawks next phase. It's like, Oh, this is fun. Cause they're going to bring in all these different quarterbacks. They're going to bring in all these different guys, try and rebuild their defense, rebuild the Legion of boom, which was so fun to cover yeah. and so fun to yeah. study. Um, so to be totally honest with you, like I was, I found myself being fascinated. I'm sure once games start, I'm going to be like, this fucking sucks. Why are we watching this? <laughs> but like, you know, sex games in general, like, I don't know if you guys understand like this. Oh yeah. Every, there's, there's... Set, but like sex games are impossible to watch. They suck to watch. Like <laughs> they end up winning most of them, but like it's painful. This is yeah. the ugliest game, most frustrating strategies you know like i, I know I think, the the tweet meme of there's never a normal seahawks game <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like if they get even a hint of a lead they take their foot off the gas they want the game to go down to the final drive every freaking game um and so then they like, punch the ball out of kelvin johnson's hands on, on the goal line oh my gosh yes i forgot about that <laughs> no um, we haven't we didn't <laughs> yeah, was that cam chancellor i believe or it was. was yeah that yeah. was a hell of a play by the way um a bastard but but yeah, like I think to me, like to be totally honest, and this is not me just like bargaining or or being in uh, one of the phases of, of uh, whatever it's called. <laughs> grief, like, yep. grief, yeah. Um, I really do think it's kind of fascinating. However, I do, I, I think I've already accepted into my heart the fact that they're not going to be any good for like a couple of years here. And so maybe that's just like part of it. And like, I, I'm just kind of interested to see how they rebuild. They have a lot of picks. They have a lot of money to, to spend in the cap. Um you know, they've made actually, I thought that their off season has been pretty good. There's certainly a few like weird out of left field moves, like re, like re-signing Will Disley to this like big deal. Like, I don't really understand that one, but uh, for the most part, I think that their, their roster, they've, they've done a lot of what you guys were talking about, like hedging at certain positions. So they're not like pigeonholed into doing any one thing in the draft. Um, and so, yeah, I'm kind of droning on now, but like, it's just going to be kind of interesting to see how they, they, they do everything. Sundays are still going to suck though. <laughs> welcome to the club danny <laughs> they're gonna be bad they're gonna be bad i've acknowledged i'll acknowledge that uh drew lock i don't think is very good so that's probably not gonna work out but um maybe in the 2023 draft i mean we're in the same boat as you guys yeah there you go uh, maybe in the 2023 draft they'll get somebody good all right that's danny kelly uh you can follow him at danny b kelly follow all this stuff on on the ringer anything else you want to plug that that lines fans might be interested in terms of draft uh, coverage yeah, all that the- stuff the ringer draft guide at the ringer. Uh, so it's the NFL draft dot the ringer.com. Um, and then the ringer fantasy football show. And then in the off season, once the draft is over, we go back to the ringer fantasy football show. So if you like fantasy, follow that. And Danny B Kelly on Twitter. Perfect. Danny, appreciate the time, man. Thanks guys. And appreciate you all for listening. We will be back on, on Monday night with our, our main POD cast. But until then, thanks for joining us. It's chaos. Be kind.
first thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on? Oh, mom. No. <laughs> no. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.